0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. I am, of course, Jason, or Big Footy's own Wookie. Uh, you can call me Pete tonight because it's going to be a thing. Uh, with me are two much more knowledgeable Peters: in Peter Williams from Draft Central and Peter Holden from Wharf Radio. Good evening, gentlemen.
1: Yeah, good to be here. Looking forward to getting stuck into this. Uh, as, as you know, really enjoy talking about women's footy and uh, plenty of big news this week.
2: And good evening, Wookie. It's uh, great to be back after a a few years, even if uh, football's on pause again.
0: Uh, Again, but at least it looks like uh, the AFL will try and get through uh, the VFL women's season as opposed to what they did with the AFLW last year.
2: That is one positive sign, but it is going to be very, very awkward for the uh, Collingwood Football Club as it sits because if we do come back, let's say early to mid-September, with a grand final, the last actual proper match would almost be a two-month gap for the uh, Collingwood VFLW side. So um, uh, that's that's a heck of a buy when they went from the major semi-final straight through the grand final. Go
0: ahead, want... and... mate.
1: No, no, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say it's. It makes it more tricky because. Um, obviously Collingwood have gone through undefeated and I know it's not a huge topic for the whole thing but for this sort of perspective while people brought it up was the fact they went through the season undefeated so it's fair enough to assume that you know they, they should be favourites for the, the big thing anything can happen but in a way they've been severely disadvantaged and if they don't win it because of you know whatever um, I'm sure Geelong are, are more than deserving but if they don't then there's always going to be those questions asked unfortunately like that sort of break and everything like that which just makes it that all more um intriguing and i mean there's not much they can do i guess but yeah it, it just makes it really tricky
0: to be fair it is uh collingwood i mean women or men's team it doesn't really matter to me it's it's still collingwood uh and so you know they deserve it um no not really of course i i kid <laughs> um, well just well since we've got that up why will this is this going to affect the the preseason for next year uh, for next season for the women
2: it may um there's a few things that we have to talk about here which complicated the uh preliminary final and grand final in the way of the uh bflw um because we were essentially between lockdown five and lockdown six we had a draft happen during that pause which no doubt we'll talk about soon um, a couple of the players in the Essendon VFLW list actually ended up on the Geelong VFLW list and had to play in a preliminary final for Essendon against their new AFLW club in Geelong. So that made uh, a few awkward things there. The AFLW preseason is scheduled to start in September. So that poses some questions about some AFLW players that are, are playing for both uh, Collingwood and Geelong if uh, strength and conditioning staff will allow them to play in this one-off grand final or might tell them well actually no we want to put you on ice and really worry worry about the aflw season to start in december and then there were some uh, there was some talk around that the vflw season or 2022 would start in january and go through to around early to mid-april and finish before the vfl men's season and almost aligned with the new AFLW season start, um, that is still all unconfirmed. And because a preseason for that would have to start in October as well. So um, there's still a lot of question marks because this Victorian lockdown that we speak of, uh, we still don't know how long it's going to go for.
0: Indeed. So look, while we're uh, like our main topics for tonight, obviously we're going to be the draft. The draft has... Uh, Taken place and the players are, are still expected to play in the Grand Finals for the, the state competition um, and also expansion, which we're going to cover in a little bit as well. The, the AFL's announced four teams have been accepted for the 2022-2023 the season, so we're going to get onto that in a minute but first off, we'll go back to the draft uh, as you mentioned, it, it did happen recently. There were a few surprises there, um, Mr. Williams
1: Yeah, well uh, there always is in each... Uh... A draft, Regardless, boys, girls, doesn't matter. There's always going to be surprises. But certainly, uh, for me, it was probably one of the more surprising drafts. Uh, it, it means it's getting more difficult to predict, which is fantastic. There's, you know, some of the mature ages got a few uh, goes later on. Uh, a few players went up higher than what you'd uh, anticipate. And what I found what's really interesting is the difference in what clubs really rate. Because coming into the draft, uh, there was strong sort of word out of the uh, NABLEG, out of the Chargers sort of program that, uh, you know, someone like Amanda Ling was potentially going at pick four to St Kilda. And that was a pretty strong sounding board by the sounds of it. And then, of course, they picked Al Friend, which is a fantastic choice as well. And, uh, and then you just sort of saw Ling tumble all the way down to 22, which kind of gives you the idea that clubs went in with their own sort of opinions Uh, their own boards they're not always the same some clubs rated players much higher than others others you know drop right down and uh, it really just became you know each club focused on their own which was quite interesting and we're, we're sort of finding that a bit depending on what they like and everything like that so that was really fascinating and things like that always tend to happen like there's a few players that drop right down and um yeah a few that sort of surprised me that popped up but it also depends on the clubs you know for the state based and things like that that Uh, it's not as straightforward as uh, necessarily having access to everyone obviously, so uh, it does make it a bit tricky for some clubs, but certainly as a whole, it was a fascinating draft and uh, yeah, there's certainly some unlucky stories and then others that you know, fantastic to see them get drafted
0: Yeah, Pete, any surprises for you? Sorry, Peter Holden? (laughs) Um,
2: uh, Looking through, I I guess I wouldn't necessarily call it a surprise but it was more with interest about Georgie Presparkas because there was some late rumblings um, a, a couple of days out from the draft happening was whether Georgie was going to be taken by Geelong or if they were going to let us slide to uh, St Kilda or Richmond because everyone knows that the Presparkas, Georgie and both Maddie, of course who's playing at Carlton, um, uh, Essendon supporters is growing up as kids and by that stage when the draft happened it hadn't been announced yet of when the uh, other clubs would come into the AFLW, though it was going to be soon. And it was some thinking that Geelong might have gone with local talent instead, thinking, well, the local talent will stay. And George is a great player. But after one year or two years, whenever Essendon was due to come into the competition, we didn't know at that stage, uh, that they might go, oh, she might split. And they're not really in a position, to be fair, Geelong, to be challenging for the finals in the next year or two with their list. So they might have gone, well, look, it's not worth it. Let's try and focus on the local talent that we can rebuild with. But to, to everyone's surprise, they said no, even though she might possibly be here only for a short time, they elected to go with the best possible Victorian uh, talent that was available in Georgia Press Parkers. And I say available because, as we know, Charlie Rowbotton, a Victorian, ended up nominating for the Queensland draft pool and obviously taken pick, over, pick number one overall by the Gold Coast.
0: Are we expecting like is is supporting your club growing up? Is that a big thing? Is that going to be a big thing in women's footy because it's not that really a big thing in men's footy at the moment? Like the number of people you hear from time to time, like every other every other person running around was a Carlton supporter growing up, you know, and and hardly any of them actually play for Carlton these days. Is is this a, a, an issue for women's footy that's going to come up when Essendon come in?
2: It may be, um, because remember you've got that factor of. And because the national draft for men has been around for such a long time, they've been almost conditioned through their whole development phase of you are going into a national draft pool and you could end up anywhere in the country. As opposed to the current AFLW draft, which is really a state-based draft pool, and because you're part-time footballers, essentially you're playing the game for love. You're not playing the game for money. Unless you're the top a couple of dozen or so players who are not only getting the Level 1 contracts, but they're getting jobs on the side as well to top them up, you really are playing for the love of it. So a club like Essendon, and Hawthorne, to be honest, if they can find those Hawthorne supporters that are playing at AFLW clubs, um, they're able to maybe pull on the heartstrings a little more, saying, well, if you're playing for the love of it, you know, why not play for the club that you grew up with?
0: And Sorry, Peter Woods, was there anyone that wasn't picked up Uh, that you were expecting to be picked up
1: yeah there's a few Um, for starters Jade Anthony was the one that I was shocked by I think that's easy to say very shocked Uh, she you know she's an absolute class talent and it's not only the fact that she's got all the footballing ability and the skill and all this kind of thing Uh, it's the fact that she had a fantastic season she won Vic Country's MVP so it's not even like it's just a um, you know she looks good Uh, you know when you see her she's physically got the attributes and the uh the awards to back it up and um she did unfortunately have a couple of concussions during the year I don't necessarily think that's a huge thing I do think that they've sort of told her maybe to go have a big pre-season work on a bit of fitness that was always a key area for her um but yeah she was definitely the big shock and the other one uh for me was Gypsy Shermer out of South Australia who um she sort of had a few links to Port, so I'm not sure whether, you know, knowing that Port was coming in, Adelaide maybe went, mm, we'll go for some out of our own academy, like out of the Crows Academy, and, and bring those players in now um, and whatnot. But, I mean, Sherma was included in the AFLW Academy this year, and she didn't get uh, picked up. So she's only one of two that didn't get picked up as well. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Noyako Dojok was the other one. Nike Dojok um, didn't get picked up either. She was the other AFLW Academy member, Uh, and she's just sort of still developing areas of her game, obviously looked really impressive uh, throughout the season but um, that was sort of, I guess, the three main ones from sort of that, you know, you thought they were going to get picked up because of their academy links and and their seasons but um, didn't happen and uh, yeah, it it sort of, it was a little bit of a surprise certainly but um, they've now got extra motivation or fire in the belly to come back and and really, uh, you know, put in a good year because we saw there were some uh, you know, top ages now, if you like, the 19-year-olds that got drafted. Uh, so they've got every, you know, motivation to come back and, yeah, get drafted next year.
0: Cool. Are we? Is there anything else in terms of drafting or rookie listings or anything like that still to come before the next season starts? Like, are there is any opportunity for these people to be picked up?
2: It may be, depending on if players do pull out. Um, Like we had in one situation with uh, Geelong, Millie Brown after the draft actually announced for personal reasons she was going to be sitting out the uh, upcoming season, taking a personal break. So you may still have one or two of those situations reappear. Plus, of course, again, remember, we're dealing with uh, uh, women footballers. So um, who knows? One may get pregnant and and that may happen. And, of course, we've got to consider preseason injuries as well that do come along. So there is those spots but mainly they're going to be taken by those that have already been announced as as trade-on players with those respective sides, like we saw happen for uh, North Melbourne in the recent season.
0: And with expansion coming up, we're going to talk about that in detail in a minute, but uh, with expansion coming up, are we expecting to go to a full national draft or is that still going to be state-based for a while?
2: That is going to be state-based for a while. Simply it comes down to money. Uh, Unless, uh, particularly with Sydney coming in, I think that's the real concern about AFL Sydney's... uh, uh, draft uh, or draftable talent that is there. It's, it's not a strong league in the Sydney competition. Um, there is questions about how do we get uh, not just Victorians, but a couple of players from other states to go to the Swans. And they'll be needed at the Giants as well, because there's some of those uh, older players that are nearing retirement age. Um, how do we strengthen those teams so they're not going to end up like Gold Coast this year, near the bottom of the ladder? And the problem is, as we know, it's very expensive to live in Sydney. So the AFL is going to, at least for Sydney, have to step in some way, whether it's a marketing budget or whatever, and throw some extra cash, a cola if you'd like, to be able to encourage players to move up there. Um, we know the is not gonna go full-time any time soon. Um, so they have, to, they have to look at how they can put some extra money in to convince some players to move. But the National Draft, until it becomes full-time, the National Draft is still 10 or more years away.
0: Alright, so let's let's move into the expansion announcement that was done last week. And it's good news if you're an Essendon, Hawthorne, Port Adelaide or Swan supporter. They're all coming in in 2022-23. Uh, the league's decided to just put an end to the drips and drabs expansion that we've had in the past. It's all all or nothing now. It's all 18 teams will be in the competition. Um, not really a surprise there, I don't think.
1: No, I, I don't think so. I was sort of expecting all four of them to sort of uh, come in. I, I don't think they would have uh, found a I guess, easy way to sort of just bring two in and then maybe another two. I think they, you know, once they sort of got all their applications and they were promoting them all, everything like that, I, I figured they'd all come in. It was just a case of whether it was the next year or the one after. Um, and, look, it, it, it's great for the sport. Well, it's great for all the fans too because now everyone sort of has a team that... Uh, Maybe they've followed the men's or maybe they're just in the women's and they're sort of, you know, from a certain state, you know, Sydney want to support Swans and whatnot, uh, Port Adelaide, et cetera. Um, And now they've got that sort of, you know, link. uh, And and the one club sort of mentality as well for for all of the 18 clubs. So if they follow the men's, they follow the women's, or they just follow one or the other, um, they know that they've got that there. So it's fantastic to see for me. And um, I really love seeing that we're going to have all 18 clubs.
0: Now, one of the criticisms of expansion has been that there's not enough talent to go around. Uh, Mr. Williams, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I... I yeah, it's, it's kind of tricky to say. I don't think... Uh, for, it comes down to club by club. Port Adelaide, not a problem whatsoever. I would have been screaming for Port Adelaide to come in a couple of years ago because the South Australian pool is ridiculous uh, for one club in there. It could easily support two clubs... Um, so, yeah, Port Adelaide coming in will definitely, they won't have a problem. And I don't think they're going to have an issue uh, if they take some of the players that they may be touted to take over the next few years, including some from the Crows. So uh, I, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, you know, Hawthorne and Essendon, I think Essendon because they have those links and, and I sort of alluded to it before, you know, Presparkus's and uh, even Georgia Patrikios is another one sort of having that link to Essendon. Um, potentially they could bring in uh, a ready-made midfield to, to go for it and be really, really competitive. And then they just find players around the ground to support them. Uh, Hawthorne, any any club that's coached by Beck Goddard's going to be competitive. You know she's going to have uh, be able to convince people to come and just play under her because of her ability. Uh, as Pete also alluded to, sort of Sydney's the one that, might be a bit of an issue and yeah they need to do something to assist provide maybe some money that kind of thing get people over there uh because we know that the giants while they've sort of been competitive haven't really gone the same length as say brisbane adelaide and, and Fremantle might have been in, in the year that they didn't uh quite finish unfortunately but all those states have had a team where they've really got to the top uh and uh, you know, cemented themselves as one of the best teams for a certain year or, or won a flag in sort of Adelaide Brisbane's case. So for me, it's sort of like that New South Wales ACT pool is the, the question mark. So they're going to have to do something to try and get players across, uh, offer something, be able to get them in. Uh, for the other three, I'm not too worried. Uh, I Obviously, there's going to be maybe a bit of a down period in maybe the first year because you are, at the end of the day, bringing in what, 120 players into the league. So there are going to be some that perhaps uh, for this year maybe weren't ready, like the bottom handful. So, like, obviously there's going to be some that it might drop off a little bit. But for me, it's going to be better in the long run and, and certainly long-term. If you look at some of the 15-year-olds and, and on, they are ridiculously uh, talented. Like, there is an... And this is going to make everyone feel old. A 2007-born player who was playing in the under 17, So she'd only just turned what is it, 14 this year uh, and was playing in the under-17. So they're already getting the 07s that are playing through. So this is the depth that they've got. So the coming years, it's going to just shoot straight up. And even if it might be down a little bit for some of it, like the bottom clubs might struggle a little, depending on who they are, um, I think long-term it's going to be fantastic. And, and certainly it'll just get better and better. All
0: right. Peter Holden, uh, the CBA, the current CBA expires on the 31st of October, 2022. Uh, I know Darcy Vessio had some comments on Twitter and was quoted in the paper about the amount of time spent that the women spend and the amount of pay they get as a result of that and the commitment that's involved. Uh, What are we expecting in terms of increases and things like that for 2023?
2: I think it'll be a very modest increase. I don't think the players are going to like it, but they'll end up voting for it in the end. It's simple as that. Um, the issue is probably going to come down to conditions. We know that through the last CBA that this season coming up, the sides are due to play. Bark over doing anything crazy. They're due to play 10 home and away games each before going into that three weeks final series. The question is, what do you do with 18 teams coming in? Uh, the dreaded word conferences is raising its head again. Um, the AFL, no doubt, will be pressured for everyone to play everyone once. Jumping from 10 games to if everyone plays everyone once is 17 games, that's a big jump. And that includes that you'd actually have to extend the pay and virtually get to or almost get to uh, full-time money. So this, this is the tough part, the CBA coming up. This will kind of outline what the AFL has in mind, at least for possibly the next 10 years of what, the AFLW will look like. The CBA itself might only go for three or four years or the length of whatever may be a TV contract, five or six years. But now we really get to see where things are at because we now we know they wanted to get to 18 teams. Okay, that's done. The box is ticked there. The players want to get to full-time. The hardcore supporters want to see it be everyone plays at least everyone once. Some want the summer season. Some want it to be a winter season with men. So the the CBA coming up is going to shape for us where the competition is going in the future. I know those want to hope for full-time money to be there. The reality is, unfortunately, it's not going to be. Hmm.
0: I don't see... I I think conferences is going to be the end result. I mean, I hate it as much as the next person, but from a practical and financial perspective for the league, as much as we'd like them to subsidise it all, I don't think they're going to at this point. Uh,
2: exactly. And, 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 and I, I should say as well, I want the players to be full-time. No mm, question about mm, that. I think because everyone does. I, I knew what the league was going to s- spin once they were pushing to get to 18 teams fast. They're going to show what the wage bill was when it was the inaugural season and eight teams in. With pay increases to it now extended to 18 um, teams, they're going to say, well, look, compared to year one to now, the wage bill overall has almost tripled. And to go to full-time, you need us to quadruple that again what they're going to put out there and everyone's going to look at that going well that's not business savvy unless a tv contract came down mega million dollar tv contract which unfortunately it's not because we have to be honest aflw is being shown on a secondary channel it's being shown on seven mate it's really being shown on the main channel so if the tv advertiser is putting them on a back channel that means the advertising market in their view is not there so that means there's not going to be a big money contract coming in. So, unfortunately, and plus, of course, the AFL's coffers, as we know, have taken a hit due to, to COVID-19 and, and not and playing behind closed doors, essentially. Um, I want there to be full time. I reckon they should put the money in, but you know they're not going to.
0: Mm. And Peter Williams, uh, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with Pete. I'd love to see them full-time. I think everyone wants to see them play 17 games. And, you know, everyone play everyone once. Uh, It'll probably end up being sort of that maybe nine-team conference. They might play eight rounds and then a couple of crossover games maybe. But who knows if they end up going down and then try and make it a longer conference series or something. Um, They may well end up, you know, having a, a, a full sort of, uh, 18 final series get a bit longer that kind of thing um, but yeah I, I have a feeling they'll probably split them into two conferences and uh, everyone plays each other once but again it, it you know it changes year to year so you, it's hard to sort of have a fair fixture if you like when it's like that uh, I mean it, it's kind of annoying because in the men's footy a lot of people are saying cut it back to 17 um, so they could almost cut what what is it um, five rounds six rounds or whatever out of the the men's season and then you chuck it on the women's season and, you know, they're almost even there because a lot of people want to see 17 rounds for both. So um, I I feel like if you sort of made cost cuts in certain areas you could certainly afford it, but we know that you know, it's not always like that Um, some things sort of are prioritised so um, I'd love to see them go to full time. I think everyone would love to see 17 games because I did feel at the end of it that um, yeah, it kind of felt a bit hollow at the end once it was all done because you're like oh it's already over and obviously there's still lots of the year to to go and we're starting in you know summer so it's all it's going to be over uh before you know it and then suddenly oh you're into almost the time where you're ready to get stuck into footy and it's it's done so i definitely think it should go to 17 but i agree with pete i don't think it will and um uh, one day when it does, I think it'll be fantastic and same with having a national draft. That'll be fantastic But they've got to be full-time for that because mm-hmm. it's a lot to ask players to travel across the country uh, Especially when they're so young
0: does AFL do- that- Sorry,
2: that- Peter Williams actually brought up a great point when he talked about um, uh, Cutting a bit off the men's season and giving it to the women's season it, even if we didn't do that let, Let's play how it is at the moment 23 weeks with the men plus finals 27 Then we throw in the AFLW competition, 10 weeks plus three on the end, that's 13. At the moment, we're talking, when it comes to match day, we're talking roughly around a 40-week season, plus, of course, pre-season for both. And the one thing that hasn't been talked about by anybody is, and I'm speaking to a number of people behind the scenes at club level during when I've been doing VFLW games this year, so this is obviously people who work at AFL clubs, Um, the stress on the staff behind the scenes... Operations managers, um, uh, team managers, you're going through property stewards, um, uh, physios, doctors, trainers, etc. Everyone that works behind the scenes and to try and save money, particularly with COVID and some comebacks happened, um, the staff that are working across both the men's and women's, and and the problem is as as the women's season gets longer and they're still doing the shared role, y- you've got to think of the staff and the stress that they're feeling. Normally, when women's football wasn't around, once September was done. That's it. Ah, big stress relief, not only for the players, but the staff managed to let their hair down, not think about things for a couple of months, reset, refresh, get ready to commit yourself to six or seven days a week in another season. Now that we have the women's season moving away from the men's to to rightfully give it some clear air, the problem is that now extends the football year. So we've really got to worry about um, people who may start dropping out of football that are behind-the-scenes staff because they're getting burnt out.
0: The other, the other thing with cutting five or six weeks off the season is a $100 million cut to uh, revenue uh, from TV right uh, TV ratings, which isn't going to be made up from an extra five or six weeks of the women's footy season at this time. Um, so financially, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And the league is unfortunately all about finance at the moment. How important is the clear air window that people keep talking about? Like, How, how, how vital is that to women's footy?
1: I mean, in terms of like being able to space out um, from the men's, like, I mean, it, it gives them the the prime time viewing. But are they going to get on the main channel? That's the thing. Like, there's no uh, that's they've been playing on a secondary channel when when it wasn't on and there wasn't much of a crossover. I mean, I don't mind it from a perspective. I mean, personally, it well Pete spoke about extending the season. It, uh, I used to enjoy because coming up to the drafts, both you know, women's and then men's, you knew once you hit the end of November, you're like, right. So December to maybe you know a few weeks into Jan, there's maybe a four-week block, five-week block where there's no footy. You can so just shut off, you can relax, you can not have to think about it for a while, and then you know renew your interest, get stuck into it. That's not going to happen again this year. So from my perspective, there's not much of a break. Um, so. I mean, I love footy, so I'll, I'll get used to it. But um, for me, I, I don't mind whether they're on together. Generally, I'll, I'll actually watch the women's over the men's. Um, certainly helps when my team is at opposite ends of the ladder too in the uh, the women's and the men's. But um, certainly, yeah, I, I quite enjoy watching the women's more so than the men's because I feel like it's not as uh, over umpired if you like, at the moment. But um, yeah, like aside from that fact, I, I don't mind whether it's together, but I certainly see the merits in it being its own season because it does sort of allow them to highlight it but the question is will they will they promote it enough because uh and i I know pete will correct me or or, or tell me exactly but i remember coming into this season and previous seasons where a lot of the time you wouldn't even know it was about to start um and that's the key i feel like promotion is the key more so than than finance and it it doesn't cost anything to um send out social promotions or things like that when they're already doing so i feel like there's a lot more that could be done to help promote it if you are going to have it on its own then promote it properly build up build it up let people know and then you're going to get a lot of neutral fans especially with four new teams coming in i know it's not this season but the next season build it up really you know promote it and pump it out because you're going to get a bunch of new fans that are going to watch it and, and potentially those fans are going to watch this season more so because they're going to be like cool so my team's coming in what are these other teams like and which you know these players who, who's my team going to potentially poach and that kind of thing so it, it's all about promotion it starts with that it, you can say all you want it's not financially viable to do this but you, you're not really helping yourself in that regard so i'd love to see more promotion and and that's that's a whole interest it's not just you know the the sporting body it's um clubs it's uh media everything mm. it would be fantastic to see more of that absolutely the Tr- evidence The evidence is already
2: there from this year as well uh, about how um, people were switching off the women once the men started. Um, It it showed when it came to promotion leading into the men's 2021 season. Some may remember that infamous uh, Fox footy ad that said, oh, real footy's back, and everyone obviously blew up about that. Um, Once round one happens, it dominates the paper. Round one of the men's competition and the women's final kind of gets pushed to the back when we had the recent aflw expansion um uh, press conference what happened in that press conference all of a sudden the journalists started asking afl men's questions when it was meant to be uh, a press conference about women's expansion and on the other side we also saw crowds drop away uh we couldn't get a packed victoria park for that uh for those uh collingwood finals there the crowds really did drop off i mean look at the adelaide brisbane uh grand final compared to when adelaide played carlton there at uh, Amy Stadium, a couple of years beforehand, um, the unfortunate truth is is that once the men start, the the casual fans start to go across to the men's, and, and you're only really left with us, the hardcore supporters.
0: Mm. Now, just before we wrap up, guys, uh, Roy Masters during the week. I don't know if you saw this article, uh, complaining that uh, the AFLW expansion detracts from uh, our goals as uh, Olympic nations going forward because uh, and evidently uh, someone quoted in the article says that uh, the AFLW won't have the ability to win a medal uh, and argues that uh, patriotism is always the currency in which athletes seek to be paid what are your thoughts on this Pete either of you, either Pete
1: you go first the other Pete Well, oh,
0: yeah that's
1: a bit ridiculous to be honest I think um yeah I, I mean what just because they don't have the uh the nat- in a national sport uh, that they're going to, you know, it's not worth doing um, plenty of sports across the world have that scenario, right now obviously netballers a- are fighting to get their sport in the Olympics, so uh, yeah, I, look, I, t- I wouldn't waste too much time on it, to be honest I, yeah, we've, we've had Olympians, there is a current Olympian who is literally playing football at the moment, so um, yeah, I, I don't really see that there's, uh, there's too much to worry about from that perspective, and I don't see the point in bringing it up, really
2: uh, it's expert trolling from Roy Masters. Uh, he's done it before. Engagement. He knows exactly what buttons he's doing. So, so bravo to him. He's getting the clickbait that he that he's paid to do, uh, and maybe he's reacting in a way because the Sydney Swans want to move into the Newtown Jets uh, ground, Henson Park, and mm. want that to be done up so they can use that for for the Sydney Swans AFLW. Um, but he isn't right. He's right in a way. And this is why the competition expansion fast-forwarded to 2013 to get all the um, all the 18 clubs in because they want as much promotion, as much football, nine games a week on air as possible because what's coming in 2023? That is the FIFA Women's World Cup. And if Football Australia do it right, and, and luckily for the AFL, Football Australia never really do it right. They keep fumbling around in the dark. Um, but if they manage to do it right the fa during this women's world cup and work their marketing and promotion well um if that if if soccer catches fire in australia off the back of that then the aflw in a way is in trouble i mean i'm still surprised i mean soccer has never been the most media savvy when it comes to social media like football is um i was chatting to someone the other day about it saying what soccer really should do to uh to kind of poke the bear a bit, have a crack at the AFLW. You know, obviously, those super compare-the-pair ads. Um, what you can do is you can throw up someone like, say, Erin um, Phillips, who's played at the Olympics, and beside her, Samantha Kerr. You can say, compare-the-pair. Both are well-known names. Both represented their country at the Olympics. This player, Erin Phillips, plays AFLW. Her, her wage from the Adelaide Crows is 28000 This is Sam Kerr. She plays for Everton. Her wage is one million pounds. Aren't you better playing soccer? I'm surprised that the, I'm surprised that the soccer community hasn't rolled out stuff like that to try and attack AFLW and try and give the hint to girls and women of hey, the money's over here.
0: Not sure how well that works with Erin Phillips as an example, given her uh, WNBA career.
2: Exactly, but it's not. To, it's not. It's not in. A I know way what you're saying, be, but it's meant to troll exactly yeah. how much, how much the AFL can pay you, and how much money you can get out of the world game. And um, again, for for whatever reason, Sam Kerr and the Matildas are very popular with the Australian public. I guess the AFL is just lucky in the way that the FA just hasn't been able to find the way how to tap that when it comes to W League and everything down and grassroots and funnel funnel that um enthusiasm into something that's more twenty four seven instead of like uh, soccer a bit a bit like rugby union. Oh hey when a big test is on everyone's interested mm. at other times yeah we can't we don't really care about
0: it. Oh, it's it's theatre attendees or theatre watchers, I think it, uh, I think of them exactly. as they turn up for the big events, they turn up for the Matildas games, they turn up for Bledisloe Cup games or whatever the women have in terms of that competition there, they turn up for State of Origin but they don't turn up for the local guys, they don't turn up for the W League, they don't turn up for the women's NBL, they don't turn up for the women's sport and that's got to start happening, whether that's a lack of promotion from them or whether it's a lack of support from the men's versions of those competitions and in many ways it has been in the past Uh, and so there's got to be a pick up there if that's going to slide now uh, AFL clubs should be better at this in terms of promoting women's football than they are. They've got a tremendous base. You know, clubs like North Melbourne even now have forty-five, fifty thousand 50,000 members that they can be appealing to. And yet we're not seeing the promotion that those guys deserve. And I'm not just saying North Melbourne's doing it. I'm saying the competition as a whole doesn't do it enough. Oh.
2: The, the one thing that I'm, and people may be surprised by this out of um, league headquarters is there's actually no proper coordination between the clubs and AFL House when it comes to promoting events and mm. press conferences and stuff like that. Actually planning out a map saying, all right, over the course of these weeks, we're going to be doing these events. And OK, you're going to be holding your press conference, even if it's just a standard press conference running this week's game. Right. You will host yours on Tuesday at 1 p.m. You will host yours on Tuesday at 4 p.m. You will do Wednesday, 11 a.m but map out everything to map out that strategy to allow, particularly in Victoria, where, there's ten, well, where there will be ten clubs, allowing media, and you've got to remember, it's a lot of second-tier media as well that covers women's football. The mainstream media is minimal, allowing as much media to be able to cover as many events as possible with advance notice as possible. So, therefore, it allows a constant stream of information and promotion to be going seven days a week. Unfortunately, it's a bit scattergun at the moment, and it just needs... And, and, and to be fair yesterday the house they've had staff gutted like like many other businesses but there just doesn't seem to be that um uh, coordination at the moment to have everyone with the limited resources they have all firing in the one direction at the one time
0: mm. all right guys i reckon that's about enough for tonight um where can we find you peter when you're not doing random podcasts like this
1: uh well, uh, assuming it's me, Peter, uh, you know, riding on uh, Draft Central. So, obviously, afl.draftcentral.com.au. We've uh, got plenty of stuff going on at the moment. Obviously, the other states are playing for the uh, the boys. Very keen to sort of uh, get this VFLW grand final sort of uh, done and dusted because I've really enjoyed that season. And um, I'm still doing a lot of stuff for the AFLW draft and, and looking ahead to the season uh, at the moment. So, there's still plenty of content around. So, doing a fair bit of that uh obviously facebook twitter and instagram so draft central Oz, aus so yeah check us out we've got plenty of content even uh on the off season and and during the states that have lockdown so yeah
0: plenty to read and peter holden you're still at Wharf radio
2: yes indeed you'll find us at warfradio.com. uh sitting ready waiting and willing to call the vflw grand final for whenever it gets played between uh, Collingwood and Geelong. And occasionally you'll see me lurking the uh, bigfooty.com forum as uh, Crowded House, particularly being trolled constantly by Team Wolf and New Pie. So uh, <laughs> come and enjoy the fun if you're with me or against me.
0: Well, join join the club, mate. I, I have to put up with it too. Uh, and you can find all of us here, I believe, on the Bigfooty Draft and Trading Board and on the Bigfooty W Board uh, pretty much any time. Thanks very much for joining me. We'll see you next time.